Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello, Serie A fan. Remo Freuler sees red as 10-man Atalanta eventually succumb to Madrid. A spirited display gives gas hope for the second leg. Lazio get mullered by Mullerless Bayern while Napoli failed to get past Granada in Europa. We discuss all of that and revisit the Milan derby after the dust has settled, plus previews of the weekend and all your usual nonsense on this episode of Scudetto. Hello everyone and welcome to Scudetto, your weekly roundup of top flight Italian football. Tonight we're going to be previewing the game of the weekend, that's Roma versus Milan. Also going to be talking about the fortunes of the Italian teams in the European competitions, starting with Atalanta Madrid. Uh, but don't worry, we have not forgotten about the Milan derby. Uh, we'll be getting you Baez's take on that, uh, what it means in the title race, etc. But first, let us catch up with the squad. Baz, let's, uh, let's start with you. How are you getting on? I'm doing uh, pretty well. I got a haircut this week and the guy butchered me. Unfortunately, I was... I was given the old guy as opposed to the young hipster guy who does young people's hair. So I guess it says a lot more about me than the hairdresser. You're looking nice and trimmed. It's just uh, just Kenny to get the haircut now. We're definitely looking a lot sleeker than we were a few weeks ago. Um, but I guess he's got the excuse that all the barbers are still closed, probably. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's exactly what I'm hiding behind. <laughs> it's a good thing that this is not a visual format. Um, it's not that bad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, We'll uh, get Kenny's Kenny's update in a second. But Baz, do you want to tell us about your beer? Have you got something more distinct for us this week? Um, no, I've got a generic henchman copy-paste beer, uh, some local lager. Unfortunately, my beers have not arrived yet. The ongoing saga of the missing beers. It's getting ridiculous. <laughs> okay. Um, Kenny, how about you? How are things in Scotland? Yeah, uh, I've had your uh, stereotypical middle-aged man week this week really just doing lots of uh, DIY nothing particularly exciting but then I guess if ever there was a time to have that excuse lockdown would be it really but yeah yeah all, all good other other than that it's uh, it's not that cold anymore and it's a bit sunny so quite happy with that yeah, interesting you say that I've had a had a similar week went for our Ikea trip on Monday and uh, been building some flat pack furniture which is always a fun challenge uh, but I did get some meatballs out of it. Always. Which, yeah, you always have to go for the IKEA meatballs. I think I had 14, maybe even 16 of them. Lovely stuff. Healthy diet, of course. <laughs> um, and what, what about your beer, Kenny? Uh, I've been a bit lazy this week. I've got a Brewdog Dead Pony Club. I like them. So, yeah, just gone for one of them. It's a solid choice. Uh, well, it's okay. You guys have gone for... Kind of a reliable favourites because I've got one that's a bit outside the box. It's called, it's from a brewery called Amorphis, I think, and it's called Legacy of the One Thousand Lakes, which, as our listeners may know, Finland is known as the land of a thousand lakes, at least by Swedes and probably by other people as well. And there are a lot of lakes here, so um, it's an apt description. Someday we'll be able to visit. 
yeah, we can have a, a Scudetto reunion and you can dodge it. Um, let's move on to the football. And starting with uh, Atalanta, um, who obviously in action last night against Real Madrid, uh, ended up losing 1-0 and um, in controversial fashion, I think it's fair to say, which we will get into. Uh, but Kenny, let's start with their previous game on Sunday evening, because after that, it was a sort of six-goal thriller against Napoli. They came out on top, and I thought they were shaping up to be a strong candidate for our Good Week award. Um, so shall we start there? How, how good were they in that game? They were they were very good. I mean, it was nil nil at halftime the game, uh, but Atalanta really did have um, yeah. Atalanta had all of the all of the possession, all the chances really in the in that first half. Uh, I think uh, I think basically we said it last week. Um, Napoli were going into this game a depleted team, tired, um, and Atalanta had the full week to prepare. And I think it absolutely showed they were much fresher than Napoli. They were much more energetic. And they also, to add to that, had uh, Luis Muriel, who is absolutely on fire, um, who ultimately in the second half uh, made the difference, but they were they were really really good in the in the second half. It did look a couple of times like they were going to do that Atalanta thing of uh, letting commanding position slip, uh, but they just kept kept doing what they do best, um, kept creating chances and scoring, and six goals in the second half to make up for the none in the in the first. Uh, yeah. 4-2, they would be absolutely delighted with that. Uh, I think it was really, really uh, possibly more important for them than the Napoli to stay in the, the Champions League race because you do think that when Napoli's players start coming back, they'll uh, potentially they'll, that will freshen up the squad a little bit. Um, Atalanta, obviously, these players are going to have been playing week in, week out. Already they have been, and with uh, hopefully with continuing Champions League commitments, um, that, that will be the case for... A good long time to come. Yeah, um, and before we do move on to that Champions League discussion, uh, we should send our best wishes to Victor Ossiman, who was stretched off unconscious. Um, looked like he'd received a blow to the head. I think he's back in limited training, um, so hopefully, hopefully, he'll be back on the pitch fairly soon. He's not having a good time of it. No, exactly. And uh, Napoli been missing him. I think it's fair to say. So yeah, all the best to him. Um, Speaking of people going off, though, Kenny, before we move on, did we want to quickly mention Gasparini? Yeah, I mean, you've said that we're going to get to the the Champions League game next, but I kind of feel like he should have saved the red card for the the Real Madrid game. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, he he got very very angry at a penalty that was, I believe, it was a piscina, if memory serves me correctly. Uh, which turned out actually, I thought it was a penalty watching it live, but the replays clearly showed. Uh, that uh, the defender got some of the ball and the referee made the right decision, uh, but he kept kept protesting to the the fourth official and uh, got got sent off. After which he completely lost it and uh, turned around and started hurling gen- generic abuse in the direction of uh, the the match officials. And then a pro- cameraman got in his way as well, and he got in the end of uh, a volley of verbal abuse as well. So, <laughs> yeah, quite spectacular. Another sending off for Gasparini. Yeah, um, so he was obviously hoping to avoid the wrath of UEFA by getting his red card out of the way. Um, yeah, at the weekend. <laughs> obviously, we watched the um, the Atlanta game at the weekend, and I heard from our Madrid correspondent Hector, who watched Madrid struggle to win one nil uh, without 
any recognized strikers on the pitch. We thought it, it looked very promising from Atalanta and it probably could have been really, couldn't it? Um, if not for an early sending off that sort of changed the game. Yeah, it's been a long time since I've been... I used to get angry about football a lot when I was uh, when I was younger. It's been a long time since I've been this angry during or after uh, a football match. Uh, so basically, yeah, Freuler got uh, sent off in the in the 17th minute for what the referee had judged to have been a um a last man foul uh and it was i think it was Vinicius who was kind of took a touch for me the the touch was he was already you know slightly wide of the goal his his touch didn't take it towards goal uh it was a textbook yellow card it was a textbook yellow card and i think everyone watching at home was uh, very, very surprised to see the referee racing over as quickly as he could and brandishing the the red card. And I think we would have had a we would have had a great game. Um, I think everyone was looking forward to it. Gasparini and Zidane spoke beforehand about how much they were looking forward to uh, a reunion uh, after their their time at, at Juve, where Gasparini was a Primavera coach, uh, while Zidane was uh, lighting up Serie. A. We should we should have had a, a great game of football, but the referee ultimately robbed everyone in in Europe of what would would potentially have been one of the the ties of the of the rounds. Uh, so yeah, Atalanta after that just uh, had to sit back and defend doggedly, and they did very very well actually um, to do so. Uh, succumbing eventually to a what has to be said was a, a wonder strike by by Mendy at, at the end. But yeah, a disappointing result. But I would say that uh, I think Gasparini said in his press conference afterwards uh, that if they're you know eleven an eleven man Atalanta going to to Madrid, uh, having seen uh, what Real Madrid did, which was not really hurt Atalanta at all uh, when Atalanta were down to ten men, there's absolutely every chance that they can go there and get a result. Yeah, um, and on the refereeing, sort of more in general. Obviously, no one likes to see an early red card sort of ruins the spectacle. But if there, if you are going to take an extremely harsh line on on those kind of offences, you expect to see that consistently applied. Uh, and I think Atalanta fans will feel aggrieved that Casemiro was not sent off for his dive in the second half. Yeah, absolutely. So it does also have to be said that there are quite a few uh, Real players who put in challenges that on most days would have been worthy of uh, yellow cards, but got away with it. Casimero was actually one who didn't. Uh, he had actually already been booked. He uh, I, I, he actually got a little bit of a, a nudge in the, in the back, but kept running and then decided he wasn't getting to the ball and threw himself down. The referee did th- that thing where he kind of stopped play, dashed over to the player to give him a yellow card. It would appear to people viewing, realized that it was someone who had already been booked and decided to give him a, a stern telling off instead. So basically acknowledging, look, I should be giving you a second yellow card here, but I'm not going to. Uh, quite astonishing when you consider how hard line the decision on Freuler was uh, to then just let something like that slip. Uh, so yeah, I'm, I think Gasperini and all the Italian media as well, when you when you see Capello's comments after the the game, when you look at the front page of the Gazzetta dello Sport today, it seems like all of Italy is uh, enraged, let's say, about this this decision. And I think quite justifiably, I feel like Real Madrid have massively been let off the hook, and um, yeah, Atalanta harshly punished. 
And perhaps the the most uh, encompassing comment about the game was the the guy who was doing the commentary on the on the match in Italy said at halftime when the halftime whistle went, he said that that's about the only whistle he got right in this whole half. <laughs> and we were laughing about Gasparini's comments, weren't we, Buzz, where he kind of said, I won't say anything because otherwise UA4 will give me a ban and then went on to complain about it. Yeah, he's, he seemed to uh, kind of wind himself up. Initially, he, he said, as you said, he said he was going to keep it quiet. And then gradually he was like, that was outrageous. What's going on with these refs? What's the point of having VAR? The, the, these people have never played football in their lives. Why would they know how to ref? Harsh. Yeah, you said you said if they can't tell the difference between a foul and uh, or a like intentional foul and a challenge, then they should go and do a different job. Yeah, well, at least it, like you say, it's uh, game on for the second leg, which is probably more than we can say for the Lazio Bayern game. Ended up four-one uh, to Bayern, um, giving Lazio a mountain to climb in the second leg. Um, before we discuss that, just we should just give a shout out, I think, to Luis Alberto, his performance in their one 0 win against Sampdoria at the weekend. Yeah, he scored a worldie. Score, scored a worldie and also had an absolutely glorious through ball, which uh, I think it was Immobile missed. But um, that that sort of that sort of pass is the epitome of the the number ten for me. And I'm actually struggling to think of uh, a player at the moment in uh, Europe who epitomizes what. You know, we grew grew up watching the number ten um, as Luis Alberto. He's such a glorious footballer to watch. We've said it before in the, on the pod, but we should we should mention that it's it's a travesty that he hasn't Spain haven't looked at him in recent matches. Yeah, um, which makes it um, all the more disappointing, really. I, I suppose we sort of expected Bayern to blow them away, and they did. Um, but on the evidence of the actual performance, do you think Lazio could feel a bit hard done by Kenny? Hard done by no. I mean, they were absolutely uh, destroyed by by Bayern. I feel like they also had an absolute stonewall penalty, Boateng on Milinkovic Savic when it the score was one nil, and Lazio were actually going through a decent spell. Probably the only decent spell they had in the first half, which lasted the, the spell lasted all of about ten fifteen minutes until Bayern got the second. Bayern were just better in every in every department. They looked hungrier. They were much more clinical it could arguably have have been worse uh, Lazio did improve a little bit in the in the second half but I mean the damage had been done by then uh, in particular one thing that I think is probably um, you wouldn't think by looking at the the score but had it not been for three individual errors from Lazio from their each of their defense each of their three center backs the score might have actually been much better. I mean, it was a, it was a hat trick first. Musacchio with a suicidal uh, back pass. Then it was Patrick who somehow managed to run into Lucas Leiva. And then there was obviously that comical on goal from Acerbi as well, who decided to watch the man and try a, a no look clearance. Yeah, um, obviously a few mistakes there. Um, I mean. We're obviously not a Bundesliga podcast, but I think our, our sister podcast, what would it be called? Salachusel or something like that, would would be predicting Bayern as strong favourites for the competition. So maybe. Bayern look like uh, the, the team to beat again this year. And uh, in a way, Lazio were unfortunate to draw them. It's, in Lazio's defence, they haven't played in Europe in seven years. So it's all a learning curve. And 
as Kenny said, obviously Bayern are the better team and deserve to win. But if the episodes went slightly differently, it, it's possible that we'd be talking about a completely different game. As things stand, this tie is all but done. Yeah, interesting. Um, I think Simone Inzaghi was quite disappointed. He said that they were up for the game uh, beforehand and instead when it started, they froze and it seemed like he had all, all but thrown in the towel, really. Uh, I don't think Simone Inzaghi believes that they can they can go through and uh, probably epitomized by two substitutions that he made uh, towards the end when he took Luis Alberto Milinkovic-Savic off with 10 minutes to play and you think, well... If, if Lazio could somehow sneak another goal, the tie is very, very difficult, but it's not over. But no, he seemed to have thrown in the towel. Leiva was much more brutal um, afterwards. He basically just said, yeah, didn't show up. We, when That's the worst game that we've played all season. When you do that against the world champions, that's what happens. So yeah, uh, very, very disappointing night for Lazio. Lazio are essentially a Ferrari, a Fiat car with a Ferrari motor. The front line in the midfield is world class, one of the best in uh, Italy for sure. But then you look at that back line and it's very average at best and they paid for it this time. Yeah, um, not giving them much chance for comeback there. Um, just before we move on from Lazio, we should just make a brief point on the COVID test controversy, which I think we discussed on this podcast in the past. Um, Letito is going to be heard by the National Federal Tribunal on March 16th. Uh, anything else to add on that, Buzz? It'd just be interesting to hear how he defends himself. Indeed. Uh, so more on that as we have it. Okay, but as we've avoided talking about it for almost 20 minutes, I think it's time to visit the, the Milan derby. What's that? Yeah, there was a game on, on Sunday. The, the Italian Cup one, yeah, a while back. Lukaku, Ibrahimovic, fight. Yeah, we, we we went over it, didn't we? No more fireworks off the pitch, but some on it, for sure. Exactly. Let's get serious for a second. The team with the highest paid manager and the highest paid squad uh, beat the team with the one of the youngest squads in Europe. Ultimately, Inter deserved to win and probably deserved to take the title, as we've been saying from the very start of the season. In fact, it's Kind of surprising that it's taken them this long to be on top. Conte got his tactics just right. Uh, he left initiative the initiative to Milan. Milan actually had 61% of possession, which is very high, but didn't really uh, do much with that possession beyond uh, a spell at the end of the first half and a short spell at the beginning of the second half. Kudos goes to uh, Conte's midfield, Perisic, Barella and... Uh, our boy Eriksen all had 90% pass completion rates. I guess that was best shown in that in the second goal, which saw Inter pass it out from the back uh, through the defense over to Hakimi, who then got the ball into the middle. And there's a gorgeous Eriksen pass for Perisic. He kind of holds the ball for an extra half second or something, which kind of throws the whole Milan defense into a disarray. Other than that, it's... One, a big talking point is probably Lukaku coming up on top of Ibrahimovic again. His performance was phenomenal. Uh, he set up Lautaro's first goal and he scored w- what was a phenomenal solo goal. Having said that, I personally felt that uh, the the whole Milan team and especially the defense just didn't show up on the day. A cutting stat I was telling you guys before we started recording was that the first foul on Lukaku was in the 70th minute and it was kind of out of frustration up until then he'd never been fouled and 
I'm not saying go out and break this guy's leg, but if a player goes by you, you you pull his shirt, you 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 foul him, you do something to stop him. It just looked like Milan's side was very timid, and it looked like some key performers like Kessi, Kalianoglu, and even Kjaer are starting to run on empty the this season. Let's not forget Milan played an extra six games in um, the Europa League at the beginning of the season, and I guess the extra games, the this kind of super tight season is catching up with them. As I said, Milan really liked bite. Yeah, interesting to hear you analyze it like that, um, Baz, because we're not. We were obviously all watching it together. I thought Milan were a bit unlucky at not to score, at least. Maybe Inter probably, it was fair they won. But um, I thought the real difference was Lukaku. I don't know. What did you make of it, Kenny? I did think Lukaku was the, the difference. And I think he, I think without him, Inter are not uh, favourites for, for the title. With him, they look unstoppable, especially now that Conte finally seems to have uh, found his preferred starting 11. Boaz said that Conte got the tactics just right. He also got the starting 11 just right. That is Inter's strongest starting 11. Uh, the other thing that I just wanted to mention was how well Handanovic played. It, that, that game would have been 1-1 had it not been for two wonderful saves uh, against Zlatan uh, efforts in the space of about a minute. Uh, so he had he's come through a very rough patch. Um, he seems to have these periods where he's irresistible and these periods where he makes a lot of mistakes. Uh, he'd been going through one of the latter, uh, but uh, yeah, that game could have, you know, cliche goes, goals change games. That game could have gone very, very differently had it not been for those those two stops on, on Zlatan. Absolutely. Um... Uh, obviously, we've into taking the points here. How big do we think this is in the context of the title race? Obviously, they go four points clear. Um, and it kind of makes the um, Roma game on Sunday a must-win for Milan if they want to stay in contention, doesn't it? Definitely. It's it's four points on the table, but it's technically five points because uh, Inter have a better goal difference in the head-to-head clashes. Something that needs to be said is that, for me... Milan didn't lose the top of the table in this game because, as we said, they they won the first leg of the derby. The, they lost the top of the table by drawing home games with the likes of Parma, Genoa. Like Points were dropped against smaller opposition, which is kind of a staple of Milan in the recent years. But if you had told any Milan fan at the beginning of the season that the club would have led the table for so long, they'd probably be surprised. And uh, the target remains top four. And that, that in itself is quite a big ask if you consider Atalanta are just a few points behind. Roma, who, uh, as you just said, they're, there's Milan are traveling to the Olimpico this week. So a very tasty season and uh, Milan now need to get their heads up and uh, concentrate on back to basics because uh, it's, there's still a lot of games to go and it would be a shame to throw away an, an amazing year, not to see an amazing season, an amazing year with... Uh, a couple of months of uh, poor performances. And the final point is that um, in the whole of uh, 2020, Milan lost three games, I believe. And in uh, 2021, thus far, thus far, they've lost five games. Yeah, I would also say that it's a very brave person who makes a prediction we've been saying all along how much of a roller coaster it is. And having just said how important Lukaku is to them, Inter are one COVID test or one injury uh, away from going through a difficult patch themselves, you know. So uh, there's a lot of football still to be played. We've still got 15 games uh, or so left. 
So yes, Inter definitely fav- they've been favorites all along, really. Um, but they're now looking like stronger favorites. But let's not count uh, Juve either, because uh, there have been periods where we've said Juve finally look like they've got it together, and all it takes is uh, Inter to go through, um, and not even that big a bad patch, just like a few games uh, of a blip, uh, and Juve could be breathing right down their necks. Not to mention Milan, if Milan can find their form again in uh, Milan's favor the calendar gets a little bit easier after the Roma game and there'll be matches against uh, Udinese and a few of the lower team tables so as I said now is the time to uh, get the shit back on the road yeah um, so that game is on uh, Sunday evening another big Sunday in in Serie A uh, and actually both teams are in action at the moment or they've both just finished uh, both qualified uh, eventually in for the next round of the Europa League. Milan making slightly difficult work of it, drawing 1-1 with 10-man Red Star at home. From what I saw, it wasn't pretty. <laughs> yeah. Uh, whereas Roma, 3-1 winners against Braga, 5-1 on aggregate. Uh, Napoli, uh, unfortunately, did not qualify for the next round of the Europa League. Uh, 2-1 winners tonight at home against Granada, but uh, that's a 2-3 loss on aggregate. And to follow on the theme of um, controversial refereeing performances, I, we didn't watch the game, but uh, Gattuso had some words about uh, Granada's time-wasting, and he said that if an Italian club had done it, they'd be crucified. But because it was Granada, they were getting away with uh, three to five minutes per foul. Before we move on, also, maybe we should just, just mention on Inter uh, that their owners, Suning, at trading of the stocks has been suspended on the Shenzhen Stock Exchange as... There continue to be talks about a change of ownership. And I think it, it recently came out in a report that they described Inter as business is irrelevant, didn't it, Buzz? Yeah, there was a big outrage in Italy about this quote that described Inter as irrelevant. The actual quote was a little bit less uh, direct. They said that they were going to disinvest from anything that was irrelevant to, to their retail business. But still, that doesn't bode well for Inter, who are a club with a huge salary bill and kind of dependent on uh, Suning and their um, their cash. And in other news, uh, Di Francesco, despite being given a contract extension, won't be eating. What's, what's the uh, summer equivalent of Panatone? It's like a tiramisu? Yeah, Panacotta, something, something summary. He's not going to have his Panacotta. You must be happy about that. I've been, even when we were doing our pilot episodes in the summer that no one heard, I was banging on about how I didn't understand how Di Francesco keeps falling upwards. Apparently, he's a really nice guy and a lot of people really respect him, but the results at Sampdoria and now at Cagliari have been abysmal and it's a surprise that it's it's taken this long to get rid of him in my mind. Yeah, and uh, that's another big game this weekend for, for Cagliari, um, away to Crotone in the relegation fight. Um, so we'll see how they get on. Torino. Uh, of course, who are five points ahead of them in 17th, have Sassuolo at home. And finally, in this section, we should mention that Fiorentina won a game. Castrovilla came on, scored and assisted. He was good, wasn't he, Kenny? Yeah, I mean, he turned turned this game on its head. Fiorentina were, you don't need to take my word for it, just look at any of the sort of main Fiorentina fan accounts on on Twitter, uh, people saying this is the, the worst that I've seen Fiorentina play, play in a long time. And that's saying something. Very, very lucky to go in at the break um, with scores level. Castrovilli came on uh, just at the end of the second half uh, and, yeah, worked his magic, got uh, an assist for, for Vlaovic, uh, also got on the score sheet himself. 
And uh, mentioning Vlaovic, I was uh, at pains to point out numerous times throughout the season that they were making all of these signings, um, but they still hadn't signed a, a forward. Well, it appears that Vlaovic is uh, actually coming coming good. I think he scored five goals uh, and, and got an assist since the turn of the year. So he's, yeah, he seems to be growing in confidence and uh, maybe he's the, the striker that they've been crying out for. Good news. Um, and Fiorentina certainly look like they're going to be safe this season. Just before we move on to good week, bad week, uh, it, we should mention that Italy women have qualified for the Euros by beating Israel 12-0. Boaz, uh, you're across this one, were you? In, on paper, at least, these are two teams I should know a lot about, but I, I wasn't aware this game was happening, unfortunately. But uh, Italy needed a 2-0 win to qualify for the Euros in England. What they did get was a 12-0 win, so a pretty uh, convincing victory. And uh, yeah, we'll see them next year at the Euro in Group B. Looking forward to that. Um, Okay, let's take a poll um, on Good Week, Bad Week. We've got some nominations for Good Week. Inter is Dalton here. What do we think? Any other nominations that we could consider alongside Inter? I know it pains us to give it to Conte. What have Inter done this week? <laughs> <laughs> I think we've got to give it. To, I think we've got to give it to Inter. I think I was the the main uh, instigator behind this getting on the on the spreadsheet. Um, they could have had it a couple of times in the last few weeks, really. But to win the derby three 0 to go four points clear at the top, yeah. Everything that we've said about them becoming strong favourites, I think it has to be that a good week this week. And their recent record is immense. I think they've got uh, 15 games, one draw, one loss, and the rest are all victories. Yeah, and they've also got the advantage that they don't have to play midweek, so um, no chance to slip up in Europe and lose the title. Probably, okay, we'll, we'll give good week to Inter. Bad week's maybe a little bit more controversial. There are a few teams that have lost two games. I think probably Napoli a front runner, given that they've um, just failed to qualify for the next stage of the Europa League. For me, it was between Milan and Napoli, but since we gave it to Milan a couple of weeks ago, um, we should spread the love. And um, Napoli are the only Italian team out of Europe for now. Hopefully, uh, Juventus, uh, Atalanta, and uh, and uh, Lazio can surprise us. Yep. So bad week, Napoli. Any objections? No objections here. Um, I was just, uh, yeah, just kind of having a, a refresher, looking through the the results. Um, a lot of a lot of draws, so not like that many options. P- potentially, uh, Cagliari, who we've just spoken about, uh, dropping five points uh, adrift at the bottom. But yeah, I think it has to be Napoli. I think it has to be Napoli. We'll keep an eye on Cagliari because with that squad, they really shouldn't be anywhere near the bottom. Fair enough. Well, with that, I suppose we will move on to the honourable and dishonourable mentions. Uh, Baz, you want to kick us off with some birthday wishes? The birthday wishes always seem to fall on me, but um, today, as we record, is Gigi Donnarumma's 22nd birthday. And uh, I was actually going to give him an honourable mention before I knew it was going to be his birthday, because he is the fastest player to reach 200 Serie A appearances at the tender age of 21 in a few hundred days. He's a he didn't have a particularly good performance in the derby, although you'll struggle to blame him for any of the goals. As I said, he's he's really, we've mentioned it time and time again, he's the Azui keeper for years to come. There's this contract dispute with him, and if I were him, I'd go to a PSG or a Man City or one of these mega clubs. But obviously, 
I'd love it if he stays in Milan for the, his whole career. We'll see what happens. Yeah, um, and Kenny, I'm just looking at this next one. We've already given, uh, we've already spoken about Luis Alberto's lofted through ball. Just for the record keeper, Boaz, uh, this goes down as an honourable mention. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, Boaz, you want to give a dishonourable to fans? Yeah, the this all started uh, in the build-up to the derby. There was a few thousand people outside of San Siro from uh, both teams. And uh, at the time, we commented that, especially given the current um, situation in the world, it, it's really inappropriate. But it also, it's very disrespectful to people who are working in hospitals, people in healthcare, who honestly, they're the ones who will end up suffering from this. But following uh, that kind of disgraceful behavior, we've had uh, Atalanta fans seeing off their team with uh, in masses. We've had Lazio seeing off the team in masses. This is a worrying uh, trend, and uh, these people should get their should fix their heads. Yeah, uh, not much more to add there. I think I think we're all in agreement on that one. On a much happier note, I wanted to just give an honourable to uh, David Nicola. You can dig out the clip of him hugging his goalkeeper Sergi after their victory over Cagliari. Um, absolutely lovely stuff. Just gives it, gives him a massive bear hug. Yeah. I think it shows how much that result meant as well. He's done wonders for the club. Yeah, uh, he's another um, another candidate for the Italian Big Sam title, isn't he? Anyway, uh, Kenny, you wanted to give an honourable to Cristiano Biraghi. Yeah, Biraghi, who reached 100 matches for, for Fiorentina, and he did so in the same game that Prandelli reached uh, 100 wins as Fiorentina manager. So some nice symmetry there, but I'm going to give the honourable to Biragi instead of uh, Prandelli. Fair enough. Um, and speaking of centuries, uh, Baz, you've got another another honourable for us. Despite the disappointing results in, uh, in Europe in the midweek, Simone Inzaghi got a win on the weekend and it was his 100th win as a manager, which makes him the fourth quickest to reach that goal. Uh, he made it in 183 games. Ahead of him are um, Sari and Conte. So uh, obviously not bad company. And uh, just finishing off the other Inzaghi brother, who's a, a manager in Serie A, Kenny, you wanted to give a, a dishonourable to Pippa. Yeah, dishonourable for Super Pippo Inzaghi. Uh, but, I mean, this is a, this is very, very funny because he got uh, he got sent off uh, for, for Benevento against Roma for leaving his technical area. It was actually a second yellow card, so he was already on a warning from from the referee. But there's leaving your technical area and then there's leaving it in style in the way that Pippo Inzaghi did. It, it has to be said, he didn't leave his technical area to, to celebrate or in a rage a decision or anything. He was actually just standing down by the corner flag, coaching his players as they were <laughs> trying to trying to dig out a, uh, a late victory against Roma. And uh, yeah, I mean, fair enough, really. The ref, we've given the refs a lot of criticism uh, today, but he was he was about thirty yards out of his technical area, so I think yeah, I think very justified. Knowing Inzaghi, he was trying to beat the offside trap. I guess you have to be even more strict with these kind of rules when there's no crowds in, because you could just station people all the way around the pitch to give advice, can you? They'd be, they'd be able to hear it. Anyway, um, that is all we've got time for this week. Um, please do subscribe to our podcast if you don't already on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your audio. Uh, we'll be back next week. Until then, enjoy the football. Milan in questo preciso istante. 
Bruce è campione d'Italia questa data il 6 maggio del Vigico la Roma è campione d'Italia per la stagione 2000-2001 il titolo del 2008 l'Inter è campione d'Italia sedicesimo scudetto per la squadra Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.